Welcome to the Beastified Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. This is a show dedicated to inspiring you to treat your body and mind the way it should be treated. Each week we delve into all things health with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking, out-of-the-box minds in health, consciousness, mindset and spirituality. Deep and often intense, these conversations are released every Wednesday and are designed to inspire, educate, motivate and encourage you to discover, uncover and unlock and unleash your potential. In this episode of the Beastify podcast, we are joined by Eric Orton. Eric Orton has a passion for adventure, participation and health. As a mountaineer runner, coach, author and entrepreneur, Eric has spent a lifetime exploring human potential and the limitless possibilities of the body and mind. Eric is an elite mountain runner, an athlete with epic adventures always on his mind. He has raced competitively at every distance and he is well known as a performance guru and a world-renowned running coach. Eric personally oversees the training of dozens of athletes, from recreational racers to competitive runners to elite ultramarathers. Eric has a great book called The Cool Impossible. Within this podcast, there's a lot of references built around this book. However, this podcast is not just an angle to sell his book. We completely felt that the whole concept of The Cool Impossible is just such a great concept and it's a concept that can be applied to many aspects of our life. So hopefully throughout this podcast, you will really see these lessons and hopefully reinvent how we think, how we run and how we move and how we thought what was even possible and how you can apply the concepts to your life and ultimately how you can live your cool and possible. So we'd just like to say welcome to the Beastified podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I appreciate the interest, guys. Glad to be here. Eric, I think we should start this episode talking about the cool and possible. Many know the cool and possible as a book. However... I feel the whole concept of the cool and possible goes well beyond just running. I feel it certainly can be applied to all other areas of life. So what is the concept of the cool and possible? Well, I think you nailed it. I think that's kind of a concept that I wanted to present in the book, obviously for running, but for those interested in kind of delving deeper and to see that it applies to any type of achievement in, in life and um, you know, I think becoming aware of our thinking and what we think can or can't be done, um, as far as an achievement or a dream or a goal that we want, that, um, there's some techniques physically and mentally that we can put in place to achieve those. Mm-hmm. I think I love the philosophy, how it's like how we invent and how we think and change our thinking of how we run and how we move. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, you know, we, from a running standpoint, you know, that we, we as coaches or trainers or, or even just runners themselves think, you know, hey, there's a good or a best way to train and a best way to run. And I believe there's a best way to think um, as far as, you know, performing in life. Uh-huh. I think as well, it's like in human nature just to move, like movement is now a genetic makeup, whether it might be running or moving our body in other ways. So do you think that this is the reason why we're like the most successful and dominant species on the planet and beyond? You know, I, I think that's a good question. I think um, it, it's certainly, certainly part of you know a, a huge part of what we what we are as humans. But I think sometimes we can get in trouble when we think we are dominant. And I think the more, 
more important maybe question is, you know, how do we continue to evolve as yeah. as humans? And that also to relates to how we are as athletes is that we can always evolve and always get better. And I think mm-hmm. if, if we focus just so much on being dominant, we can that can kind of work against us and, and be a little bit more humble about it. And, and again, continue to evolve and continue to get better. Yeah, I think as well, we've, we've been taught since birth to be suspicious of anything we enjoy, anything that feels too too much fun, really. Right. We, we're taught many different rules and examples of how to live life within our means and to focus on safety first, really. Do you agree, Eric? Oh, totally. I think there's so many, you know, societal, self-imposed rules based on fears that have perpetuated through time that we as the human beings just think it's part of the way we should live, um, either good or bad. And they're just, you know, again, self-imposed rules that kind of infiltrate our thinking and affect our thinking and affect ultimately our actions that we take or, you know, maybe in sometimes the actions that we don't take. Um, So Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. Eric, I love the quote that you said in your book. It says that no one says that they're going to the gym to play. They're going to work out. And I felt that this couldn't be so true. And it, like that quote really resonated with me. Yeah. You know, again, I think, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to what you just brought up about who we are as humans. And I think, you know, play and being out in nature and, and moving uh-huh. and all of that is integral to who we are it affects our outlook on our own personal self-being as well as how we treat others. Um, you know, so we, we need to get back to that play and, and with that, aside from the physical play, but the kind of the mental play in our head, you know, I also Mm -hmm. mentioned in the book about, you know, how as kids we used to daydream and we'll sit, you know, I sat in chemistry class and daydreamed, looked out the window and (laughs) that was looked at as bad. You know, and maybe in, in chemistry class, it is bad, but I, I think we lose that ability to daydream and, and think big as we get older. And so that's, again, something or the message I wanted to get across in part of the book was just not only do we need to continually physically play, but play with our mind of what, what we want to do and what are our dreams and, you know, what what is that one thing you really want to achieve in your life? Yeah, certainly true. Yeah. When you're talking about, talking about- uh, thinking big yeah Eric do you think um, athleticism and achievement are about willpower yeah wow um, that's so hard because I, I think there's a macro and a micro answer to that I think uh, you know athleticism is from a macro standpoint a process and something that we can hone and train and get better through time that is more about discipline than maybe willpower is that, you know, I think discipline, self-discipline is the ultimate form of performance. And any great athlete has that day-to-day discipline of honing their craft and getting better um, that I think paves the way to a micro situation where we're in a race and we do need that willpower is that the training and that, that self-discipline day-to-day created an environment for us to have the ability to work beyond in that setting of a race or what whatever type of athletic competition it is. Um, so I think there's a duality to it, you know, of, of, of our process and, you know, the, the mental 
fight we have with ourselves when we're in competition of, of that willpower I think you're talking about. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think you certainly think as well. If like you're for, forcing yourself to do something, you're going to stop doing it as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and again, it gets into that uh, you know that kind of that flow state where you know that day to day routine, that rhythm that we get in, you know, mm. creates a groove, and that's that's not unlike you know being in a race itself. Yeah, it's like just like settling, really. Yeah, yeah. Um. How have you uh, substituted pleasure for peeling with your running? Yeah, I'm I'm big on not trying to distract myself from pain or discomfort. Um, you know, I <laughs> many times get asked if I listen to music, and I I love music almost as much as running, and I very rarely listen to music. Um, and I I'm always kind of self aware of how my body's feeling, good or bad. So. You know, in, in training my athletes, I try to get them to really focus on the pain. And a lot of times that helps maybe not so much take it away, but it just kind of lessens it a little bit. And, and we're not fearful of it if we're, we're focused on it. So I, and I think it's a bad thing to try to disassociate from pain. Yeah, you sort of embrace it in a way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, it's like when you're a kid, really, and you, you don't worry about what muscle groups are hurting. You just go out there and you're still enjoying yourself really aren't you if you if you're a kid and you're just enjoying it yeah and i you think it feels right. you know there's a certain amount of trait that happens through time in listening to your body and having that self-awareness that we start to understand the difference between kind of a, a a good pain and a bad pain or what might be an injury where you would need to stop or you know not push through it and i think there is a, a definite difference between kind of that good performance pain of pushing through and against something that's maybe detrimental or more of an injury. Mm. I think as well, like doing something that is natural, like running or just moving your body, it's more than just doing some of your fitness. It's about like the joy of doing something that like something that we're naturally born with really. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's, you know, part of my goal in with my cool impossible is to really kind of promote running as something that can be enjoyable and it's not something that has to be torture to to benefit from or that you know it's it's sometimes it gets lumped into being a fitness thing where it's just you know for weight loss or you know just to make us feel better but there's a there's a certain amount of joy as you guys know of just being out there and enjoying it yeah. and for no other reason than doing it I think as well it can connect us back to what we really should be experiencing in the sense of like a body awakening in my opinion. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so important, so important. So Ian, I want to switch direction a bit. To my understanding, uh, you spent time with the Tarahumara Indians. Could you tell us about a bit about them, please? Yeah, so I, you know, as, as part of the whole Born to Run story, went down with a group of ultra runners back in uh, 2006 now. It's getting to be almost 10 years now. And we spent um, almost 10 days kind of immersed in, in the deeps of the Copper Canyon in, in Mexico and running and exploring with the Taramar Indians and just kind of witnessing how they live that ultimately culminated in a, a 50 mile race. So we, we spent the whole week with them. And for wow. me, I had lived in Colorado in the early 90s when they first 
the, the Tarmar Indians first came up to do the Leadville 100. And, and back then, I'm going to age myself, but back then, it was before the internet and before you could find a lot of information. So you always would hear little tidbit informations of how these Indians came to the Leadville 100 and did quite well in sandals. Um, so that kind of mystery has always been with me of how these Indians and these runners did this. And so to be able to go down and immerse myself with, you know, my Michael Jordans of the world um, was just an incredible experience. Yeah. And to my understanding, it was not about glory or medals for them. It was just about the love of running. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's their, it's their way of life. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's how they define themselves. It's how they, they move. It's how they transportate, uses transportation from village to village. Um, and it's part of their, you know, they, they have a little run game that they play within the community. So it's, it's, you know, deep embedded in their culture as far as a community bonding um, activity. Yeah, they're certainly not like your usual competitor, are they? You know, I, that, that, that's hard to, hard to know because, you know, again, the year we went down, you know, it was really pitted Scott Jurek against, you know, their best runner. And it was a race, you know, it wasn't, they were competitive. So, um, you know, I think you you asked earlier about being human and I think there's always that human element of competition as well in us. Yeah. I think that's just like, you know, you mentioned, you know, we as humans wanting to move and be playful. And I think there's a certain amount of innate competitiveness in us that's, that's, that's good. And, and it's just part of our natural makeup. Mm-hmm. Eric, what were some of the amazing feats of endurance that they were known for? You know, they, because of the ball game they play within their community, they, you know, they run hundreds of miles in this ball game. Um, but they also, you know, will walk and run hundreds of miles to as a type of, of travel and a way for them to get from place point A to point B. And, but I think, you know, kind of what we always hear about is their amazing ability to run super long distance, um, distances in, in sandals. So I think it, you know, from just the, the public perspective, it was, Yes, they run long and fast, but they run long fast in sandals. And I think that combination is what kind of created this allure about them. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like obviously the mindset's obviously been conditioned like from like loads of generations of running, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they, they grow up. They, they play the game in, in, you know, school. All the kids, you know, grow up wearing sandals and, and walking mm-hmm. and commuting, you know, on foot and running. And it's just part of what we probably all do as kids, but then we stop doing it. Whereas they continue yeah. to do it because it's part of, part of what they have to do in some ways. Hmm. So Eric, what sort of foods were they eating? What's, what was their typical diet? <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite stories is, is when we first met up with the tribe that we spent the week with, we, we trekked 30 miles up and over the Canyon into the town of Eureka, which is where the race was put on. And, you know, here are us Americans all in our ultra running hydration packs and all loaded <laughs> down. And these Indians basically had nothing. Um, they, I think some of them maybe carried a little bottle of water, but 
literally they, they carried nothing. And we got on top of the, the, um, the Canyon and we stopped for, um, a little snack, you know, and again, we pull out our bars and, you know, get our packs out. And all of a sudden I look over and I see Ornofo who won the race. All of a sudden he pulled out from underneath his loincloth tortillas and, and corn. And he had this like this, like, like a picnic. And I, I still, to this day, I don't know how he held all that under, underneath his loincloth, but they ate corn and tortillas and beans and um, very simple diet, very simple diet. It's it's unbelievable the different content of styles of when you first came over and you've seen them compared to yourself there. That's incredible. Exactly, that. exactly. You know, it was, it was crazy. I was ex- I was quite expecting their diet to be typical earth grown nutrients and very much at one with their food with the with how you perceived them at, at first there. Yeah, I mean it was very simple. You know, that that's you know I I saw the meat the 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 corn the the uh, pinole the ground up corn on the run and tortillas on the run but then when we would eat you know meals with them they would eat what we ate and we you know being in mexico that was typical mexican fare of you know beans and tortillas and um and some chicken so yeah very simple Hmm. eric you mentioned that the the footwear that they're wearing was sandals how did that impact their running you know i i think um from a coaching standpoint, what I know about foot strength, you know, I think that's what really keeps them healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But for them, you know, it's what they're always used to. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, they, every Taramara Indian we saw was wearing sandals, whether it was kids um, or grown up, or, you know, the old, the older runners, you know, they all wore the same type of footwear and it was completely flat, you know, just a, a, a truck tire, you know, traced out and, put on some with some held together with some strap of leather and you know again it just allows them to use their muscles in an appropriate way and i think that's what keeps them healthy aside from you know the terrain that they run on well certainly not about fancy equipment it's just exactly. about getting, yeah. and getting it done really isn't it yeah exactly you just use your own ability use, use your own muscles rather than having a support system put into you mm-hmm so, Eric, I was wanting to delve a bit into barefoot running. Uh, how is barefoot running a benefit instead of the modern running shoes, which we have to do? You know, I think um, from my perspective as a coach, you know, I use barefoot running as a tool. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'll have my athletes do drills barefoot. I have in a strength training setting, I have all my athletes, you know, do their strength training barefoot because I think, you know, what's most important is a lot of times the shoes um, get all the attention but it's really f- developing proper foot strength and mm-hmm. and I think we have our natural support system is within our feet and our feet are very important and affect how we use and fire muscles all the way up through our hip in a running and in an athletic environment so I think you know the barefoot or being minimal is a product of having being able to have proper foot strength with this, which is so, so important for proper health and performance in running. So I, I like to kind of put foot strength before the barefoot running thing and, and use barefoot running as a way to continue to develop the foot strength 
and also to teach form. I, I don't I don't coach my athletes to race or or you know really run barefoot. Mm-hmm. I think as well the powers of just even ground yourself not only when yeah. you're running are so powerful. Yeah. Like in the house, some people like keep the shoes on so they're not only having like a toe box. I call them. Yeah. On, on the toes, like so they're going to work. Wear obviously with shoes on, and they're coming home and they're keeping the shoes on as well. Yep. So then, like, obviously, the, the shoes, obviously, are compressing the metatarsals together. And it reminds me of, we have, like, dental braces. Exactly. Exactly. It's like putting themselves in a cast. And, and uh-huh. through, through time, when you're always doing that, you just stop using your feet. And that's from, again, from a training and a coaching standpoint, that's what I see is everybody has poor poor foot strength that is really debilitating. It affects how they run and how well or how poorly they use their muscles. So they just, the muscles just go dormant. Yeah, we've also started incorporating uh, some barefoot running into our regime, and I've actually found it to be more than just physical. It's more of like a deep connection with the earth. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's like I, you know, I love it, the film. Oh, sorry. Sorry there. No, no. I was just gonna say, you know, even you know some of the you know the ancient Asian ways of thinking is that everything starts with the feet, and there's so many pressure points within the foot that that dictate, you know, everything else throughout the body. And I think that goes to what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly true. Yeah. I love as well how you said that, you said a quote that you said, your feet, are your, your feet, not your shoes, are your foundation. I think that was so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, you know, and it's it's hard to, it's a hard message for most people because they, they don't, I, I guess I'll leave it as saying they just don't realize how good it can be. Mm-hmm. We, don't yeah, have it's, to it's be like, we don't have to have all the tight muscles and, and all the aches and pains that we as runners have been conditioned to think we is just kind of par for the course. Yeah. It quite reminds me of the time when, in the film Avatar where he transfers into the Navi and he feels his feet for the first time. And it's like getting a whole connection with a whole different level, isn't it? Exactly. It, it, it's so true. So true. So true. <laughs> and it's people should start running with their feet more than just their shoes. And even though they might wear shoes, you know, at my camps, I tell people, run with your feet, not your shoes, even though you have your shoes on, and it creates that awareness. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, I think we're going to talk a bit about visualization and mind training tactics to run and live the cool and possible. Yeah. So, uh, Eric, is it sort of like a law of attraction where you attract what your mind focuses on? Um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, let, let me say this. You know, I think we, we people ask me, you know, um, you know, is anything possible? And my answer is kind of yes and no, is that I think anything is possible when it's something that we innately think about. For example, I don't wake up every morning thinking about being president of the United States or trying to qualify for the Olympics in pole vaulting. It's just not in my consciousness to think about that. But I do wake up every morning and think how many runners I'm going to kind of promote in this world and and how to get more runners in the world. So I think it's something that we gravitate to. And it goes back to what I said earlier about that daydreaming that we, we, we don't do anymore. And so I, I think, you know, the visualization and the mind training is being aware of, of what it is that we want. And I think that's the biggest hurdle is a lot of times people just don't know what they want and they, they just get stuck there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and, really and true. Visualization. Yeah. And again, that 
the the daydreaming can help so much with getting to know yourself from how you think to really ultimately know what it is that you want. And I think that's the big hurdle for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite like listening to yourself, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just I see our mind and how we think just no differently than, you know, your arm or your leg and how you train your arms and your legs, um, you know, should be no, no differently than how we treat our thoughts is that they're just thoughts. And a lot of times um, we can learn a lot from our thoughts of why we do or don't do things and move past that and realize that they're just thoughts based on past experiences. Mm-hmm. So Eric, you touched on this before, but how important do you feel listening to your body is? I think it's extremely important. I think, you know, again, that's become such a buzz term that people don't realize or think about think about what that truly means. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think from an athlete standpoint, we think, hey, listen to your body. And that means, oh, listen, does my knee hurt today or am I tired today? Um, but ultimately, it's listening to your mind. Mm. And if, for example, you know, if your knee does hurt today or you're tired, You've created that awareness, but do you feel guilty for not getting your workout in when you should be listening to your body and taking rest, but ultimately you're really needing to listen to your mind because it's your mind that's dictating the the, the performance or the the action. So um, I I think, again, it's more important maybe to listen to our mind and what our mind is telling us and the more awareness we create about listening to our mind the more we can make conscious decisions rather than being oblivious to to our actions based on our what our mind is doing yeah yeah i completely agree i reckon i completely agree eric Uh, to me it's like um listen to your body and understand when you need to take a rest and you need to be alert to take opportunities yeah you need to understand your body completely it's essential to know yourself to be honest yeah exactly exactly I think as well. I think as well. It can be. A, I think it can be a tricky one for some people because I think it sometimes takes years to develop. It's like sort of like intuition. I feel. Yeah, you know, and it's again. That's kind of what the message I wanted to get out of the the cool impossible is that this is a process. You know, not only physically but mentally, is that we can get better and better at how we think, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's you know it comes down to having that awareness and realizing that our thoughts are just made up really they're just a story based on what we have going on that day or the past experience or something that that really didn't treat us well at one point we create a an opinion and that 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 opinion stays with us but it's really just a just a thought up story so so I I think we've got to kind of get back to just really being aware of how much thinking we realize we do that affects our day-to-day actions mm-hmm. i feel as well that you can only really develop this in my opinion like when you fully treat your body and mind right and i think your body like will work with you and tell you when to go hard and when to back off absolutely i think as well because the human body is just like an incredible vessel and that would just we don't yet fully understand really no i, I agree i think that's that's the next big jump in performance is really diving in into the mind aspect of it you know we've kind of gotten pretty far with the physical part but it's it's tapping into more of the the mind the mind and the neuromuscular system if you treat if you treat it right it'll just reward you in so many ways i think as well absolutely 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 
Eric, this is quite a big question. Um, I know that you've spent a lifetime exploring human potential. Do you think that the body-mind has like limitless possibilities? Um, I think it goes back to, you know, what we naturally dream about. You know, like I was saying is that, you know, what through having some awareness of what we're thinking, what do we naturally start thinking about as far as goals and achievements and dreams and what's possible for us? And so from that perspective, I think we are, it is limitless. Um, and I think it's human nature to want to kind of know what's going to happen before we start an endeavor. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think that way, then we are pretty limited. But when we look at something that we want to achieve without the the need to know what's going to happen then i think that's where the limitless possibilities happen and i think that's where we gotta we gotta gotta steer our our energy towards is that realizing we as humans hey if we sign up for that race we want to know what's going to happen am i going to finish but we never will not truly know until we just start living it and living in those types of philosophies and mindsets I think is where the, the possibilities lie mm, I think the real beauty is just not knowing what's going to happen really I think that's the real beauty of life really exactly and that's that's where it can become and that's the cool impossible mm. that once we let go of wanting to or needing to know what the outcome is going to be then it's a game then we can say hey yeah. you know what's the baddest goal we can think of and not worry about whether we ever get there we just live it yeah so true yeah I think as well, I think it's just like a cap that we're placing ourselves and like, obviously we're just settle for what's given. I think that's what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and again, it, it goes back to that losing, losing the ability to know what we want and to dream and to keep striving to be who we want to be. And I think so many people are fearful of really wanting to be who they truly think they can be. Yeah, so true. Yeah, I think a big thing is people developing a system of living beyond limits. What are your thoughts about our ability to go beyond and how do you think we can do that, like break our limits? Yeah, you know, like we talked earlier, I think it's all, you know, coming down to the mind. You know, if you look at a lot of the big achievements, you know, in the last, you know, 50, 60 years physically, you know, like the four minute mile or climbing Everest, it wasn't that all of a sudden these people became physically better is that one person did it and it created the, the possibility for the others. And then, you know, so many people did it after that in a short period of time. Um, so yeah. I think it's, it's really diving into what the mind is all about and being able to get to the point where we can create that feeling of possibility, whether someone's done it before or not. Yeah, the four-minute mile was a great example because I remember um, the people, doctors were saying, this was actually specialized doctors saying, you can't do it, it can't be done, your heart will explode. And yep. that was one of the things I can remember. Yep. I'll take that. Well, and then I, I, think, I forget the exact number, but once once he broke the four-minute mile, wasn't it broken like three or four times in a very short period of time after that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it ended up being 19 people after about yeah, a year. Yeah, or something. exactly. Mm. So, you know, it's just, you know, again, it wasn't they weren't doing anything necessarily different in their training it just the possibility was there okay now it is possible yeah 
It's a, it's a proper breaking through the fear barrier. Yeah, exactly. And that the fears, I think, the big thing. And you know, I tell my athletes, is fear is necessary. If if you don't have fear, you know, it's it's the wrong goal, and that fear should be there. And um, because it, again, it's it's it provides the path to you know go where we want to go. Yeah, I think fear plays a huge role in our development of living beyond limits. Yep. Like, as limits as limits are often said, it's just an illusion which we place onto ourselves, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Bingo. Yep. Eric, where do you see the concept of the cool and possible going? Um, well, I, I've got kind of a a multi prong approach. Is that you know, again in the book, I, I you challenge people to kind of come up with a mantra for themselves, or or I use kind of three words that I live my life by, and that's adventure, health, and participation. Um, so for me, uh, I'm going to continue to coach athletes, you know, I coach athletes online and I think it's really important to promote, um, and foster runners to, you know, participate in events. I, I think it's something that, again, there's a day and a time that they can go challenge yourself and that inspires others. And I think there's something very important about, you know, the, that, that type of event participation um as well as on the other side you know i'm all about adventure running and alpine running and i want to i'm kind of working with a potential tv show concept to promote running as an adventure and as a way of traveling and i want to do that in a way to maybe hit some people who want to start running just because of of the adventure aspect of it and not for, for kind of racing or participation. Um, and then the third part of that is my mountain running Academy here in Jackson is that I'm, I help train athletes who come visit me in a camp environment to, to just get better runners. And that, that goes into the health component and always striving to help people become healthier, stronger, better runners and, and, setting that foundation for a long-term, a long life of running. Um, so again, I'm, I'm, everything I do is based on those three concepts of adventure, health, and participation. And everything I do, um, you know, steers back to, to that, to promote running in a certain way. That's fantastic, yeah. Eric. So Eric, we started off the show by asking you, asking what is the cool and possible? So to end this podcast, we'd love to find out what is your cool and possible? Yeah, great question. Um, well, with with adventure, health, and participation, my whole mission statement is to unite the world by enhancing the human experience through running. And so, by doing everything I just mentioned with adventure, health, and participation, with my coaching, with my running, and with my academy, um, that you know, my ultimate cool and possible is to have one runner per household worldwide. And wow, yeah, that, that, that's. That's what I want to get out there. I, I want people to realize, hey, that it's it's something huge. Will I ever get there? I don't know. But the point is that I'm living it every day, and that's that's what I consider the cool and possible, is that I'm not worried about how I'm going to do it. I know that every step along the way, there'll be another runner per household. So that's that's the aim. And, you know, what, what I haven't figured out yet is to how to how to create a living life or a, a past living legacy that someone can take this beyond my lifetime and continue to 
to promote running and you know there's some so many people out there now doing that that it's just a a cool time for running and i want that to continue well i think as well i think the whole concept of the cool and possible is like a great kickstarter inspire people not just to start running but just about about getting up getting out there moving your body exercising even walking and just learning and exploring and having an adventure really yep. and just do something like that you enjoy really you know i, I think you know that's, that's 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 ultimately the message, you know, is just just get out there and don't, you know, that's one thing I I kind of fear with the whole ultra running boom is that there's such an emphasis on running long distances that sometimes the short stuff gets lost. And I, I think so. I think what you just said is so important is it doesn't have to be a marathon. It doesn't have to be an ultra marathon. Just go around the block, you know, mm-hmm. and that that'll lead to you know, going twice around the block or that'll lead to doing it two or three times a a week. Um, But it just feeds on itself. And it's just, that's what's the cool thing about running is that, or just being active is it just, once you start doing it, you want to do it more. And I think that's the cool thing. That's the cool and possible. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. That was an incredible answer, Eric. Yeah. So on that note, Eric, where can people find you and what are you currently working on? Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm, the second year into my mountain running academy here in Jackson, so I'm continuing to build camps here. Um, but then I'm also looking to expand the locations of the camp. So I'm I may be going to the people as well. So you know I'm looking to do camps in Mexico, possibly China, and um, would love to get to Europe. Um, so that's that's kind of the long term plan to strategically locate these races so I can help, you know, the big fan base. Um, and then just, you know, just continuing to, to coach online and, you know, this, this TV show concept or digital concept is a big, a big, um, interest of mine is that I I really want to, you know, show running in a new way and learn, learn about culture, show people how different cultures, ultimately kind of have the same innate athleticism within us all that we've kind of talked about throughout this whole interview is that we're all kind of the same, but sometimes it looks different, but it's really not. And I want to show, show how running can be different in different locations and how different cultures um, can really inspire us to um, unify the world. So that's, that's the big goal. It's amazing. Eric, thank you so much again for being an incredible guest and would just like to say a big thank you again. Oh, You've been an absolute awesome guest. Thank you. Big th- big thank you back at you guys. Appreciate the interest and uh, let's chat soon again. Yeah, I was so grateful for your time, Eric. Right. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. See thank ya. you. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Too. Great moments are born great opportunity. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except the convictions of honor and good sense. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. 
It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Life is scary. Get used to it. There are no magical faces. It's all up to you. Life is tough. That's a given. When you stand up, you're going to be shoved back down. When you're down, you're going to be stepped on. And pain is temporary. It may last for a minute, or an hour, or a day, or even a year. But eventually, it will subside. If I quit, however, it will last forever. Some guys run, and some guys stay. In any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. When you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. That's how winning is done. And when you get to the point where all you want to do is be successful as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. Because if you go to sleep, you might miss the opportunity to be successful. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. We can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back. Now, what are you going to do? not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates us. you're worth, I go out and get what you're worth, but you gotta be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. This is where we fight. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review on iTunes as it really helps the show. And don't forget to head over to the show notes at beastified.com. Hey everyone, and check out our weekly challenge set by the guests themselves. And also don't forget to check out the bonus questions we ask the guests after the show. In the meantime, stay healthy.